Quite often in the, uh, in the lessons that I give on a day-to-day -day basis, the most frustrated type of golfer that comes in to see me is the golfer that tries to hit the ball dead straight, but then can miss in both directions, can miss left and can miss right. And in, in golf, we call that a two-way miss. All right, Peter, so let's just start uh, at the very beginning, which is why we chose to go to Michigan in the first place. And um, I, that process probably started... I don't know, three, four months ago when uh, I just I was actually watching, I think, the NLU episode of um, of the duel or I was either watching that or I was watching some of the four play stuff. And I I got to randomly seeing that they they did this tournament every year up there at the reversible golf course. And I was like, well, let's just apply. And I, I mean, if you believe in fate, that exact day they opened registration and they only left it open for. I think like 24 hours. So you literally had one day to register. There's a draft lottery for the teams that they picked. Uh, so I sent you a random text. Hey, off chance you want to try this. And uh, if we get picked, you know, yay. If we don't, you know, no hard feelings. We'll just move on about our lives. But it seemed like uh, it all happened really fast. Uh, we applied, got picked, uh, got the email saying, you know, we were we were going to participate. And then we just started organizing. So I guess what was your reaction when, uh, we first found out we were going to Michigan. Oh, I, one, I guess I wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into. I, I'm probably not as much of a connoisseur on that kind of stuff as you, but uh, I'm always down to play interesting new golf courses. Uh, and this looked like an opportunity to do that for a couple of days and kind of get away from Alabama for a little bit and do it with uh, one of my oldest friends. So uh, when that opportunity arose, I thought it would be a good opportunity to go for it. And uh, it turned out better than I could ever expect. So, I mean, just that night, um, you know, well, as we start building up, we start trying to put together like an itinerary of, of where we want to go places. It changed several times. I mean, tea times are rough to get. I think it's important to note, especially if you're listening anywhere in the South that in that part of the world, that golf course don't even really open till May. So I was trying to call in early April and see, Hey, can we, you know, maybe book a tee time 30 days in advance that way we were guaranteed to get on some of the tracks that we wanted to play. It's just not how it works. Uh, no one was there, <laughs> I guess is the, yeah. the, the long story short. Uh, so I had literally had to wait till the beginning of May uh, and try to round up some places. And some took tee times 14 days in advance. Some took them, uh, you know, as soon as I called. And so it, it kind of worked itself out. Um, what was the total golf courses like nine? I think nine golf courses in five days, I think, roughly. I think it was eight, and we added the uh, the little hawk putting course, so nine if you count uh, the 18 hole, 1700 foot grass putting course, but yeah. uh, eight total. So, I mean, it was, it was a lot of golf, I mean, it was, it was an exceptional amount of golf, but uh, yeah, it was a uh, the itinerary kind of came together. Um, it moved and shifted and, and all those kind of things. But uh, I think that it worked out as about as well as it could have. Well, we started looking at places. Where do we want to open the trip? We knew we wanted to stop somewhere along the drive. It was, you know, roughly eight, nine hours to get to, to Grand Rapids, which was kind of going to be our, our start for the whole trip. Um, but we wanted to play somewhere that night, and we ended up leaving late Thursday night. To We wanted to play somewhere on Friday afternoon, roughly, and, try to break the trip up a little bit and uh, we landed on Warren golf course. So I'll turn it over to you. 
Uh, first stop was in South Bend, Indiana. I'll let you kind of walk us through what all happened that day. Yeah, so this was uh, one of my favorite days of the entire trip. Um, obviously, we leave Thursday. We find a little small hotel room Thursday night, 2 o'clock in the morning, try to break the trip up. Um, we get up to South Bend, Indiana um, sometime around lunchtime, and we uh, stop at you know, beautiful Yelp review, right? So I don't know if anybody shout out Yelp, if anyone is still yelping out there, but uh, we go to U Brewing Company uh, in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, it was the number one rated place to go. They had uh, exceptional beers, uh, you know, drank a couple of those and uh, got some barbecue and some burgers. And uh, I thought it was really solid um, just from a food perspective, got that in us. And moving forward, we, uh, it just as fate would kind of have it, I suppose. Um, we, I guess, tried to go to the golf course early. We were itching and ready to play. Um, but there was like this massive construction where you couldn't get into the golf course the traditional way. Like uh, it was blocked off. So we were basically circling this golf course. We see it uh, from the road, but we can't get in. So we realized, hey, we're only, you know, a couple minutes from University of Notre Dame. Um, and you kind of take a little detour. It's only about two thirty at that point. Our tea time's not until four, um, and it's raining. It's it's misting rain. It, it's a little bit cold out. Um, and you know, as someone who, for people that don't know my background, I teach U.S. history and coach uh, basketball. Uh, so I do this thing where essentially I t try to take a picture of not only college basketball gyms, but really any gym that I go in. I call it a gym in America. So uh, we see, uh, I believe it's Pauly Pavilion. Am I getting that right? Or do you, do you remember? I think it's, I, mean, I think that's Pauly. You're going to know better. Yep. Yeah. So I believe, we, so we get there and uh, I essentially try to, I wouldn't use the word break in, but uh, I go into the uh, the bookstore, which is located at Pauly Pavilion. And, you know, basically ask, hey, can I go in? I'll only be five minutes. Like, I just want to take a picture. And essentially, they very politely in a Midwestern nice way say, you know, screw off. Like, you know, we can't let you in. Like, if the door's locked outside, like, we just would have to let everybody in. So I was like, ah, that's a bummer. Um, so we kind of start just walking around the campus a little bit. And, you know, the pavilion is right next to Notre Dame's football stadium. Okay. So, you know, there's the Newt Rockney statue. There's a statue of uh, uh, Coach Park, and I may mispronounce this, Parsegian, I believe that's right. So we, we kind of take some pictures with some of those. Uh, and I, we see this gentleman. Uh, he's obviously he's busy, but he's part of what looks like guest services or campus services. Um, and I kind of was like, look, I, I want to shoot my shot again. Like he's right there by the door. So I go up to him and I said, hey, sir, you know, I introduced myself and kind of what we're doing. And uh, he I said, hey, can I is there any way you can let me in? And he was very nice about it. And he told me no. But then this is kind of where the story, you know, it unfolds, if you will. The gentleman's name was Denny. and He's like, I'll do you one better. I'll let you guys I'll, I'll take you guys on a campus tour. And our eyes just kind of lit up. It's like, hey, like okay, like you tell us all about this thing. So we jump on his golf cart and basically he rides us around for 35, 40 minutes. And the history teacher in me was just smitten at this. He told us all kinds of great stuff that I just didn't realize. Um, I thought South Bend and the University of Notre Dame would be bigger. 
they actually only have 8,500 graduate students for some context for kind of people locally that might be listening. The University of North Alabama has 7,233 students. So like it's a really small kind of intimate campus. Uh, you, we drove through what's the, uh, affectionately known as the God Quad, <laughs> which is basically where they tailgate uh, on game days. And obviously it's a, it's a little recreational area. Um, he took us by the Golden Dome Administrative Building, which was built in 1844. Um, and then essentially, you know, this this building, um, you know, they, the campus lore. So I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but some of this stuff was fascinating to me. He said that basically, if you're a student and you ascend the main steps of the Golden Dome Administrative Buildings before you graduate, the tradition at the university says basically you are doomed and you will not graduate so like it's kind of like frowned upon to go up on those steps uh we we go into the basilica of the sacred heart which is the famous church that's on campus there um and i mean it was just immaculate um we prayed for some uh pars and, and birdies in there i suppose or i don't know what you guys did but it, again it was it was just what were your thoughts on the on the church i guess kind of shifting gears <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit overwhelming, obviously, where our minds, we've been driving for eight hours, uh, we had stopped along the way, and we're just golf, 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 that's all we're thinking about, and uh, we kind of pivoted when opportunity presents itself, especially in scenarios like this where you're going on these trips, we just randomly decided to hop on the back of this golf cart and take the tour, and I did not know I was not dressed appropriately, which is, uh, you know, I guess everybody on campus was coming in with t-shirts and what have you, uh, we walked in literally forgot to take my hat off for a second and then realized quickly that I probably should do that. And I think, um, it was a lot, you know, I didn't grow up a you know, Catholic, uh, or following Catholicism or anything like that. But, um, I can imagine if, if that's how you grew up and, uh, you seen all kinds of places similar to this, but that's, you know, it's gotta be one of the Holy grails, you know, of where you would want to go and, um, you know, experience the things that you experienced religiously as a kid. I, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was a lot taken. I thought the campus was awesome. Um, yeah. There's obviously we could we could probably do a whole separate podcast on just the campus and what we learned. Yeah. And thanks to Denny, but no, I yeah. I, I personally was you know thought of I was just, kind of taken back and, and I, blown I, was, away. Yeah, it was cool. It was not only that, just his hospitality, right? Like, I mean, he you could tell like he had other things going on. Like he didn't you know, whatever he was doing for his job did not have to go 45 minutes out of his way to like show us around. Um, I mean, just like I said, a couple of like mid bits and then we'll get to the actual golf. But like uh, he told me that like the at the Basilica of the Sacred Heart, the windows were painted by Vatican artists. And it took him 17 years to complete that. Like it's insane. Like, again, we could do a whole separate podcast on just the stuff he told me. He also told us that like Brian Kelly was not ever popular. I thought that was like a little tidbit. Like he was not endearing to the fans during his 12 year tenure. He was very standoffish and they were kind of happy to see him go in a lot of ways, which if you've seen Brian Kelly and his LSU videos, he looks like super awkward. So like I found that to be a nice little treat. Uh, but was, uh, yeah, wasn't a people person. That's that's how he described him. It's, hey, yeah. all the fans wanted to see him after the games. They wanted him. Of course, he does his media and all that stuff, but just was not endearing to the people that were there to cheer him on. Like he just bypassed them a few times, and uh, especially the game day staff. I think Denny. I mean, I'm not gonna air out any dirty laundry here, but Denny kind of 
hesitantly. Part of the game, yeah. That, uh, you know, he wasn't the, the nicest guy in the world to, to wheel around, didn't always seem grateful and thankful, which, I mean, I think we could kind of see that, you know. Sure. Uh, and some of the other stuff. We Anyway, enough about Yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. So, but again, shout out, Denny. Thanks for just doing that. So that that's like before we even have to hit a tee shot. Like, so then we drive up this to this golf course. We finally find our way in. We have to basically drive down the sidewalk uh, to get into this golf course, uh, and it's in immaculate condition. Now, again, before I get too deep into the Warren course, and I'll let you kind of jump in. Um, it it was one of my favorites. It, I mean, it of of the ones we played, I. I think it was one that we caught on a day that the weather was not ideal uh, and that in firmer and faster conditions, uh, the core Crenshaw design would be one that you could play not only every day, but like not get bored with it. Um, it hosted the two that's kind of claim to fame is that it hosted the 2019 U.S. Senior Open that was won by Street Steve Stricker. Um, and other than that, it's, it's also listed on Golf Digest as one of its, I think it was 11th on like the most affordable places uh, to play as far as like niceness and upscale. Like, I mean, it costs like $45 to play. I think I paid 53 and I bought a ball marker to like, well, it, I mean, it's in tremendous value. Um, so I, did you have any thoughts on just as you rolled up to the Warren course? Yeah, no, it's, it's so different than what, you know, we see in the public realm, you know, down here. I mean, obviously there's some really nice public golf courses, but uh, I wouldn't call any of them championship level. This was, you walk in and, and this just breed, like you just see championship, like, you know, good players play here. Um, it's all Notre Dame. Like, I think that's fair to mention every, that everyone there, uh, every person on the property was, was all in on Notre Dame. Uh, if they weren't sporting some kind of memorabilia, you know, we saw students that were just walking, not even playing. There was uh, several that were playing, but uh, other guys were just walking alongside them just, I guess, to get out and, and get some exercise. I don't know. Um, we didn't really go hit range balls or anything like that. We did see the practice area over there. It was massive. And, like, I can imagine living on campus and really getting to enjoy practicing there every day. Uh, getting to putt and chip on some of the short game areas and then, you know, going out a, and playing the course would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you're a student, and this is not an exaggeration, like it was a less than a mile walk from the campus. Like you could have your clubs either in the back of your car and like leave a 930 class and like be on the golf course. Uh, and it's cheaper for students and alumni. Like, I mean, just can't enough platitudes about that. I mean, I can – talk about individual holes or just what was my favorite part you kind of steer me in the right direction here and I'll, I'll go for it I've got a few notes here yeah I mean we can each I think but at the end of this we'll we'll kind of rank uh which courses were our favorite which ones weren't and and why I um I think Warren was you know a good a good one to start uh I think we also have to say we were fully expecting to be able to ride that day Weather did not permit that about an hour before our tea time. Uh, as we're riding around, we get a text that says, uh, not letting golf carts out today, so we're going to play the course. So we instantly kind of swap our mindset and realize we have to walk. Um, luckily, we came prepared considering we were going to have to do that later on in the trip. But uh, I, I thought that, you know, I thought it was one of the better ones to walk, to be honest with you, because um, super lush. Uh, it felt like the, when you're walking on the greens, you're walking on carpet. It was um, very easy to walk. but 
at the same time, like tee boxes and greens pretty close to each other. But at the same time, I, I just felt, you know, I don't want to get too weird about this. It's not my thing. But to, I, I felt more connected to to play in the golf course uh, on the ground there. I don't know if we rode around and just sprinted around the place uh, like we did at some of the other places because we were pushed for time. I don't know if I would have got the same experience. Um, but, you know, it was the first place we've probably ever been to where you take these massive divots, um, the beaver tails or the pelts. Uh, right. It doesn't even mean you hit it fat. I mean, it just requires a good shot. You just see it fly up. It, that was pretty cool. Um, super soft, obviously, because of the conditions. And we we didn't play it from all the way back because we had no idea what to expect. Um, but I think you could, and I don't think it would have really changed that beat, much. Yeah, I don't think it would beat you up from the 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 what they would have as the uh, the back tees. But they, they didn't have the championship tees out. So we, we played the one-ups. But, uh, yeah, I, again, like – you could go hole by hole. I, this is going to be a theme for me, which I'm trying not to ramble, but the par threes on these courses I thought were spectacular. Like as someone who kind of grew up, and this is not a knock on the courses that we play at home, but kind of garden variety par threes where you hit it in the middle of the green or there might be one bunker here or there with very little undulation or either it's really, really long or forced carry over water. The par threes, the Warren course, the front nine par threes, it, four and nine like four was like 129 yards but it has this huge mound in the middle and like these little dimples and pimples almost on the green it's just super interesting if you miss the green or even if you get on the green what could might happen and um nine the same way there's like a bunker right in front but it's like it visually it looks like it's right by the green and then you get up there and like it's 30 yards back you could have carried it easy like just I don't know there's a lot of play it it was a course which I I won't ruin it but basically like I think you could play the Warren course every single day it's one of those that like if you're wanting to be a member somewhere and play every day that's the kind of course you want to play at Um, and that's kind of my I guess my last and leaving thought on that just super immaculate conditions well this is also going to be a theme we we told everybody where we were at you know and while we were there what we were doing um where we're from and everyone I, I guess you know up north people get a bad rap about not being friendly and not being polite but that wasn't our experience the hospitality was great um i i can't help but think about on 16 17 and 18 so we walk across the street the way that the routing is set up uh we walked across the street to 16 17 18 as we we're getting ready to finish we were pretty much the last people there at that point we ended up being the last ones on the golf course um, as we go over to 16, a guy, I don't know if he was a marshal, um, starter or just somebody that worked inside kind of steps out onto the patio and, and lets us know, you know, don't go left here. And, uh, I ended up going left there and, and he was right. You shouldn't go left there. But I think that's actually, they played that at one, two and three at the 2019 us open. Um, and talk about a three hole. I thought it would be better as a three hole finish, uh, as a, obviously I spoiler alert, I birdied 17 and 18. So, I mean. I love the finish, but I think they played that as one, two, and three at the 19 uh, U.S. Senior Open, so it would be a great opening hole, um, and maybe that's why they did it, but I also loved it as as a finishing. Uh, 16, 17, 18 was no joke. I just hit a pretty good tee shot and a pretty good wedge and actually made a couple putts there down the stretch. So, um, no, Warren was – obviously, it was a great place to start uh, our trip. I'm not – you know, I like you said, I think it's a because of the weather, we, we didn't get the full experience. Um, I'd love to go back when it was – really warm and, and firm and just kind of see if it plays any differently. Cause it was so soft that day that 
not a lot of defense on the course. We could we could go at some flags, and you know the rough was thick, but wasn't overly Spit, hard yeah. to, to figure out. So I think we kind of got it in uh, rather benign conditions. And you know, me and you both, you you played really well. Uh, me and you both played pretty good that day. Yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, this is the best. I mean, score wise, it was the best round I had of the entire trio. But like again, like that irrelevant of that i think that just the things that i mentioned are are up there 16 17 18 are they're worth the trip just for those three holes as you play across judah creek there into that little punch bowl false front like just great stuff so but uh I, i'll i'll kind of stop on warren because i can talk about it all day so let's uh we're gonna move on to the next golf course but before we do we, we stayed in elkhart which is like i don't know 10 minutes or so roughly from warren golf course um and what we it's so ridiculous we decided to to go eat cracker barrel we're like hey we're just going to eat somewhere kind of close um and and brainly i want to bring this up because of of how insane it was so number one we go through a toll road that's literally three feet from our hotel i'm, I'm not a fan of that i know it was only a dollar i'm not a fan of toll roads I, I can't stand it i don't understand the concept behind it i don't know why you have to pay to use uh public highways but anyway uh, so we get through that and we decide to eat somewhere close, settle on Cracker Barrel. Seemed like the closest place, literally right in front of our hotel room. Didn't see it as a big deal. Uh, we go in there. It's like you know what you're getting, right? Like yeah, Cracker no, we, Barrel. Yeah. Safe. We, yeah. We chose the safe route and it was anything but that. And I'm not, we're not going to, uh, you know, call out any waitresses, management. We're not. Right, this is, this is, this is not a condemnation of any particular person in Elkhart, Indiana and the Cracker Barrel, but well, it's just uh, it's the overall kinda, experience. Kind of is, but you know, they can, you know, send us a, send us an email or something that it, it was pretty bad. I don't think we're going to get any Cracker Barrel endorsements after this. Let's just say that. So we order our food, um, chicken and dumplings, my go-to all-time favorite at Cracker Barrel figured, Hey, Let's just get the, I could use some carbs. We just walked 18 holes. Uh, let's get the day started right. Ordered the, you know, the world famous hash brown casserole and some mac and cheese. Uh, was really just going to overload myself this first night uh, and was excited about it. So I put uh, my order in. Um, Eric puts his order in as well. Looks like you went with chicken and dumplings. Eric right. Eric had a go-to. I think he was going with uh, the fish fry, which is a, a Friday night ritual for a Cracker Barrel. Um Immediately told they were out of fish. Uh, now, granted, we got there late, 8-ish, 8.30. Um, told they were out of fish, so he had to pivot and order something else. I can't remember what he got. Maybe like chicken tenders. Anyway, so after 10, 15 minutes goes by, we, we don't have our food, which is a bummer. Uh, and then she randomly, the waitress, randomly comes out and informs us that they are also out of chicken and dumplings. And uh, at this point... We're a little hangry, a little tired. Uh, we know what we got in front of us. About to play a lot of golf. We just wanted to go somewhere to eat. We've been in there for 30 minutes and haven't ate a thing yet. Um, I guess the best and worst part of the entire thing is she basically told us, hey, we we got like uh, chicken fried steak left. That's about it. So I order one. I don't know why. I took one bite of it. Um, and she brings us she brings us sides. Yep. So I'm, I'm literally eating mac and cheese out of a bowl, hash brown casserole out of a bowl while I'm waiting on the ham or chicken fried steak that eventually gets there. And uh, this whole experience was every bit of an hour, hour and a half long. Uh, and it was it was truly an all time bad one. I, I don't again, I'm not going to I don't know. I, they, they deserve it. 
<laughs> but um, uh, no, no, absolutely. Uh, the, I mean, one of the best parts is like so. I obviously ordered my two sides, and the chicken and dumplings obviously are not part of that. So she brings me my two sides. It's like, would you like to order anything else? And it, it's just the saddest scene that you can imagine. You know, three grown men that are hungry that have walked 18 holes and been in a car like just munching down on random sides and i was like no just just bring me the check for the two sides i, I don't i don't want the, the the chicken fried steak so uh it it was an interesting experience but you know hey cracker barrel um i, I know there's there's supply chain issues maybe we need to ramp up our hiring process so uh, they can be a little bit better so next up we uh after the Cracker Barrel incident, we decided to um, call it a night and then get up early in the next morning. We had a tea time in Hamilton, Michigan at Diamond Springs Golf Course, um, just south of Grand Rapids. Uh, Grand Rapids was a stop that we had intended to make. We, we played several courses in that specific area. Um, they're all going to have a common theme of a similar designer, the exact same one, Mike DeVries, uh, for most of the courses that we played up that way. Uh, and, and Diamond Springs was our first stop. But before we got there, I wanted to shout out uh, my little Pawpaw, Michigan, which is uh, actually where my dad is from. We just fate would have it. South Bend, to, um, you know, to Hamilton, Michigan, you go right through Pawpaw, uh, a true one stop stoplight kind of town. Um, obviously, my dad has a million stories, I'm sure. Uh, and he might be good for a podcast one day. I don't know. But um we we just went by there i just wanted to shout out that that small little town which uh would not be i would not be here talking about it if uh, not for that town but uh so we headed on up to to hamilton uh and played diamond springs uh a much different looking golf course right off the bat um than what we played at warren uh much different experience uh than what we played at warren not in a bad way at all um welcome to the pro shop again kind of explain what we're doing uh they say thanks so much for being here glad to have you uh, and we we get ready to go out on our way that we don't hit range balls. I think we hit range balls maybe twice the whole trip, um, maybe three times, I guess, before the duel. But uh, so we don't hit any range balls. We just we hit a couple putts. And uh, they told us we had a third or a fourth that would be paired with us. Eric was with us on this trip. Um, so we had a fourth that uh, had got randomly paired. His name was Tyler, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and he would kind of be our sharper for the day, uh, letting us know where to hit everything. Uh, I, I won't go too crazy into, uh, into detail. I would encourage everybody, um, to, to watch some of the NLU stuff on the diamond Springs and grand Rapids episodes. If you want more of a visual uh, of what it looks like, uh, very unique place though. It was, uh, it was turned up in some areas way more than it was in others. So you get to some holes, you kind of think there it's, it's all out there right in front of you. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I, I, I think the best example is number one and number two were very driver wedge. You don't even need driver. You could hit three wood wedge into both of those holes, uh, short par fours. And then number three is just a monster. Um, so you got to hit it up on top of this hill. Uh, I ended up going driver four iron and making birdie there. But it was probably the best birdie I made of the entire trip, to be honest, because of just how intimidating the hole is, how how long it was. Uh, how much you had to you had to hit two excellent golf shots there so it was just like okay this this hole is uh not too bad not too bad and then you've got this mammoth hole that you've got to tackle uh, and that's kind of how it was you had to get the course uh in certain areas otherwise you know especially as you got later on in the round we got deeper into the into the property it was really gonna you know jump up and get you um something very unique about this golf course that 
Um, I guess it's somewhat controversial depending on, you know, how purist you are when you, when it comes to golf courses and what you like the, uh, they had a one cut rough and fairway. So just a single mower, a uh, single height that didn't, didn't matter if you were in the first cut or the fairway, you were hitting out of the same height of grass. Um, almost, I would say everything was almost like a first cut. Uh, the ball could sit down potentially. Um, there was a couple of awesome features on the course as well. You know, things you don't see ever. There was a center line pond on number six, which is a long par four, very tough hole. Um, but they just put a random pond right there in the middle, and that makes it even even more difficult. Um, I think number 11 had the two centerline trees um, that are very popular up in the area that uh, just kind of, you know, they can really hurt you if you're trying to go for the green. They can make a layup difficult. It's a par five. So so pretty cool there. Um, I think the best the best thing to me about the golf course, and I'll, I'll kind of let you say your piece about it too, it was um, very friendly as far as finding your balls, at least through the first 14 holes roughly. Yeah. Yeah, because the drivable par four on 15 was obviously you're not going to find it if you go there. But uh, I thought it was, you know, not overly difficult, but not incredibly easy, too. It was just a, a perfect mix. Um, some of the greens were insane. I think number five, uh, par five or par three, that's, you know, we played it from the very back, like 165, 170 yards. Um, you hit it on, you know, pin high and you're standing, I don't know, six feet above the hole almost. Uh, just an insane a uh, little funnel pin down there, but if you if you get caught up on top, it turns into a, almost an impossible two. But um, you know, just a lot of really cool, unique features. Again, I think the biggest theme of this is we've played a lot of golf in the South um, and Alabama, Tennessee, and and everything kind of gets gets paired together. You, you don't really get any you know unique features unless you play multiple multiple times. You can start recalling some of the stuff. But uh, up there, it seemed like we we found something on every hole on every course that we really you know, we're able to remember and say, wow, this is, this is not something we get to do every day. And so Diamond Springs is pretty high up there on the list. It was our first uh, taste of DeVries, which we got a couple more, got a couple more cracks at them. And we found ourselves, uh, you know, the par fives were very gettable, not hard holes, but the par threes were pretty, pretty turned up. And then you had some easy par fours and easy par fives or easy par fours and tough par fours. So my overall experience was, was a good one. The hospitality again, awesome. Um, didn't get a turn dog there. Can't rate that one. We were, we were kind of pressed for time. We weren't really sure we were going to make it to our, our tea time later on that afternoon. But uh, what do you? What was your thoughts on uh, Diamond Springs, the golf course, the the place itself, and any other opinions you might have? The uh, the more that I have reflected upon this trip, Diamond Springs is starting to kind of creep up there. Um, it, it it's easy to like not fully appreciate the shot because i mean when you think about it like you stand on a tee you know depending on what had happened on the last hole like if you're not like an architectural guru like you're just like oh, i gotta hit the next shot right and especially if you're trying to play somewhat well uh, which everyone wants to do on a golf trip um i feel like i didn't fully appreciate some of the shots until after i got up to the green like you mentioned five um the, the kind of the reverse for Dan, like I left it up on top. Like that's a shot that you could literally hit over and over again. If you had to hit that shot every day, depending on where the pin placement was, that's an insane value from just a shot making standpoint. Um, the, the center line trees you mentioned, but like the ravine holes 
on kind of the back, like there's some awesome par threes yet again, like you got to carry your ravine into, I think it's 14, you know, like this punch bowl green. So we won't talk every single hole, but like, I think it was one that it sometimes like, and maybe I'll, hopefully I'll get to go back and play these places at some point in my life. But like, you almost need multiple routings to like, just appreciate what Dereves did uh, and, and the simplicity of it. And once again, just an insane value. Like we rode in a car and again, $50 round and like walking the place is like $35, like to walk all 18. And again, it's very, very walkable. So um, Diamond Springs, again, has kind of crept up my list as I have uh, ref- had time to reflect on it just from a shot making standpoint. The one thing I'll say about Diamond Springs is to kind of wrap it up is when we were playing with Tyler, uh, he would he would throw in some quick like, hey, yeah, you need to do this here. Uh, he said he was from more uh, the urban area, I guess, of Grand Rapids. He didn't come out to uh, Diamond Springs all that much. He played some of the other ones in the city. Uh, but he said, just as you recall, he was like, you, you virtually don't need driver here. Um, but if you hit it, you can be rewarded and you can actually, you know, score a little bit better. I mean, 15, I would love to have another crack at that one. I wasn't playing very good coming through that that stretch of holes and, and probably got overly aggressive and blew one off the planet right trying to trying to drive that green. It's only about 300 yards. Um, you know, I, there's way more room to the left than you think. It's very visually deceiving. You think, hey, I, if I'm going to take it on, I got to take it on. I can't miss left, right, short, uh, any of that. And so you try to hit the perfect shot, and then it just swallows you whole. So I thought Diamond Springs was a, a really cool place. It was, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to get bigger and bigger. If it wasn't so remote, it reminds me a lot of the Clifton course here. I mean, it's just an insane good golf course um, that no one really plays yet. I mean, they were packed when we were there, but. Uh, maybe the the stuff that the no laying up guys and and people that have been up there uh, is going to get them going. But it was they they didn't have much to choose from in the pro shop either. That was that was my one. That was, that was a little disappointing. Yeah, like not to knock up the Diamond Springs, but like they get some better merch. Like that was like I wanted to buy things, and uh, you, you bought one of the worst hats I've ever seen. But I appreciate you, you know, supporting them. But like it's uh, it was slim pickings in the pro shop for sure. Yeah, I mean I had already committed to the bit. Had to buy something, so at that point I was just at the mercy of, and I, honestly, I didn't spend that much time looking. There wasn't much to look for. I just kind of grabbed something, went on. But Diamond Springs, I would if if you're ever up there, it's it's definitely worth going. Um, but we chose to eat lunch uh, in the city. We we drove a little bit further up, got to Grand Rapids around uh, probably one thirty or so. Uh, had a tea time at four at the mines, and so we we grabbed some lunch. I did a little walking around, not too much. Uh, stopped at Mitten Brewing Company. Uh, Mitten as in like a baseball mitt. And baseball memorabilia, Detroit Tiger memorabilia everywhere. Uh, you walk in and... Shout, you know, shout, out, shout out Miguel Cabrera, right? Shout out Hi, Miguel Tom. Cabrera. And shout out Tyler for the recommendation too, by the way. That was right. very much his his call to tell us to go to eat there. Uh, we, we decided to get a couple of pizzas. I cannot remember for the life of me the name of the actual pizza that we got. I do remember that it was like five meats, uh, one of them being like Andouille sausage, which was awesome. Uh, I took pictures of it, sent it to the group, got rave reviews, at least through photos uh, from the guys. Uh, excellent there, service. You know, after our experience at Cracker Barrel, we were a little jaded. Uh, and so we really uh, we really could use that bounce back service, and we got it that day. Uh, and the food was excellent. It was perfect for what we needed to going into the going into the afternoons. But before we get into that, 
Um, anything specific about Minton Brewing Company that you uh, that you recall or downtown Grand Rapids when we were walking around? Uh, it looked like once again, it's it's tough when you have the itinerary itinerary as packed as uh, we had it. But uh, I, I just think that is downtown Grand Rapids looked awesome and looked like a place that I would like to explore. I mean, there was tons. Not only Minton, there was a lot of like craft breweries and just a place like seemed like there was like art galleries and all kinds of stuff. If you were into that kind of thing where you could just spend a day in downtown Grand Rapids, um, Grand Valley state university was close by. So like it, it would be fun just to take a day if you had enough time to just not pack in as much golf as we had and, and just explore the city, but the uh, a plus pizza, that's, that's the, uh, that was the sticking point for me. Well, the afternoon tea time took place at uh, the Mines Golf Course. Um, it's in right smack in the middle of downtown Grand Rapids, four minutes or so from the the center of the city. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go crazy on this one. So, also a Mike DeVries design. We pulled up to the pro shop. You you can already visually notice. Okay, this is you're not walking this one for sure. Not that we were going to, but this one's not even it's not even a thought. Um, it's built on an old gypsum mine and they were very, uh, excited to tell us the history of the course. When we came in, I, I kind of spoke with, uh, the girl that was working up front there, told her we were from Alabama and, you know, first place, um, from our perspective, we kept kind of going back to, um, the local country club here in Florence that closed down, you know, what seems like a lifetime ago up and down all through the Hills. Um, very, very quirky golf course, uh, which is right up my alley. Uh, I, I thought, you know, we'll we'll get our rankings later. I thought for various reasons this was one of the best of the trip, mainly because it, it was so unique. Uh, I'm not saying Diamond Springs or Warren was was cookie cutter, but, you know, you've seen some of those holes before. You've seen the the 400-yard par fours, and, you know, you got to hit driver and hit a good approach shot, you know, and you had to do that at the mines too. But what you, what you got that was different is, you know, blind tee shots, you're hitting them uphill, downhill, um, you're getting these rollouts that, you know, it was playing pretty firm, even though it was still wet in spots. Um, you're getting these there was rollouts. A hole that, I don't know, there was a hole that literally had like a half pipe on like half of the fairway and then like a shelf that like you try to land it on top if you want like a better angle. Like it, it's hard to describe how wild some of the undulations are and the greens. Like there was some of that on the greens too. Like it, the, the fairways themselves, like, the ball could kick anywhere. So like it, it, I have my issues with the place, which I could get into, but at the same time, like if you want something different that is unique and like offer something that is not cookie cutter, the mines is, is your place. Before you, before you tear it down, let me build it up. I mean, I think that's important. The, the first three holes, I mean, number three, the green was just brutal. Um, number one and two, nothing too crazy about that three really tough par four. The approach was, was virtually impossible. I think we both kind of ejected it and made like a double there. At least I did. Um, I was playing pretty good through that first few stretches. And then we go to number four, it's like a 270 yard par four. And if you want to get to like tug at the heartstrings of JJ, all you got to do is put a, a well-timed short par four, you know, that can really get you back in the round if you hit some good shots or it can make you feel like oh, I just wasted an opportunity, which I think is, you know, brilliant when it comes to golf. Uh, I think you want to present players, you know, especially of my caliber, seven, eight handicap, with with opportunities to make birdies uh, if they're able to to hit some good shots. And this stretch of holes, number four, you get the the 275 yard par four. I think you birdied it. I did not. 
Um, and that's, you know, that's part of the game. We go to number five, which is a long, like almost a 600 yard par five, but it's not really, it doesn't really play that long. I hit the best drive probably of the entire trip on that, uh, on that hole. I had like 240 in and uh, hit a three wood right up there and had about 15 feet for birdie. Ended up not making it, but, you know, two prime chances to score, even for like a high handicapper, I would think. Uh, and then you go into six and it's another drivable par four. So you get the, you get the drivable par four on four, you get the, the scoreable uh, par five, and then another drivable par four. Uh, I, I like tough. The, just because they're drivable doesn't make them not, you know, good golf holes. They're, they're very difficult. The, the undulations here, again, we can't describe it on, on microphones, but, you know, the ball is going to kick way right if you get on the wrong side of these hills. And if you're down on the bottom, you got no chance. You know, you got to flip a shot over a bunker with a tight lie to some of the wildest and wackiest greens that you've ever played. So it's not yeah. like these are gimme uh, birdies on these par fours, but they give you opportunities. And there's a lot of different ways we can play them. I know you laid up short. Uh, me and Eric both tried to go for it pretty much every time we got a chance. Uh, and so we, I, I love four, five, and six. And then like the crescendo of the golf course, before you even get to the back nine, before you uh, even see some of those holes, which had some amazing holes back there. Number seven and number eight were my two favorite stretch uh, of holes on the course. Both of them par threes. Uh, seven was playing about 128 yards. You're standing on the tee and you're thinking, oh, I got to lay off like a wedge here. I can't hit it too hard. I mean, it, it's legitimately 30 yards downhill. Um, they put this really, you know, deceptive bunker right in front of the uh, green. We had a front pin, which brought that bunker definitely in play. Uh, you think you got to lay off of it. Uh, and then you end up kind of taking too much off the gas and, you know, for me, I came up short and I know I think Eric hit it in the bunker or you hit it in the bunker. And, you know, all three of us missed the green on this 128 yard hole where, you you know, everybody's supposed to get it. But just visually stimulating times a million. One of the best holes on the court or in the entire trip. We'll go down that road later on. I think this one's probably a, a front runner for me. Then number eight, uh, number eight was not as, you know, visually a, a pleasing or appeasing, whatever, um, as hole seven. But. You get up to the green. Once you get to that far point, you kind of appreciate it. We both hit the middle of the green. Uh, probably thought we had, you know, 20, 25 feet for birdie. You get up there and you Huge realize. Huge yeah. Yeah, this is a massive green. The pin's in the very back. We both hit it on the front, and now we're we're putting from 65 feet with 10 feet of break, and it's just the greens protected the holes perfectly. And you go through from four to eight, I thought was the best stretch of golf on the entire court, or the entire trip. If I go back to Michigan and play golf, I'm going to the mines. It's not even a question. Like I would, I would go there on every single trip that I got anywhere near it. I'm going to play that golf course just because I had so much fun. The back nine was uh, a lot of a lot of the same. I mean, maybe not drivable par fours, uh, but some really good par threes on the back. I thought uh, 18 was a great hole to finish on. It was a, a sharp dog leg right. Uh, you can get yourself blocked off by trees over there, and I you can try to hit the hero shot, which I tried and pulled off, and you tried and didn't. So I mean, it was yeah. just the, it was just the I don't know, whole totality. I, one of the best experiences of the trip by far. Uh, I walked off that place having more fun playing golf than I've probably had uh, in a long, long time. You know, I didn't care what I I, I did shoot pretty well. I, I don't remember what my score was. I I know I broke eighty that day, and but it beyond that, it was just a an overall fun experience. I felt like I played such a variety of holes. I, I was tested all day with different hills and bumps and everything. And I could go on and on and on and on and on about this place and why I loved it. But to me, Mike DeVries best, best course of the trip that we played from him. Um, and I, I'm truly in love with that place. I, I'd go back a million times over. Yeah. I mean, I echo what you, I just, 
like I said, I, I don't want to tear the place down. Uh, it's certainly one that I think everyone should play from a shot value standpoint. And I would actually agree with you that stretch from four to nine, four to eight uh, is some of the better five hole stretches of the, it's probably one of the best five hole stretches of the course. Um, none of this is their fault, but because it's in downtown Grand Rapids, essentially, like it gets so much play that, some of the stuff that in this hopefully this does not come off as elitist the, the greens were were probably in my opinion like just from a pure role standpoint not in the best shape of any of the ones of all the ones we played um and, and that's i think it's just due to like literally they it was you know four o'clock on a what friday saturday whatever we played it and like it was packed, like you couldn't get a tea time. There was people that like walked in and said, "Hey, can we play nine?" Like, and they're like, "No, like we don't have any tea times. Like we're literally booked up until seven o'clock when we, you know, are trying to play." So some of that's not their fault, but like from a shot value standpoint, I, I certainly agree with you. Would I want to play that course every day? Um, that that's a different conversation. But as far as if you're in downtown Grand Rapids, like you got to play the mines. Yeah, it was. I mean, just again, I, I don't have enough good things to say about it. The logo's sick. The the golf course is sick. The design architecture. I, I'm not big into all that stuff. You know, I, I know enough to be dangerous, probably, but really, really, really cool place. And if if anyone who's listening to this ever goes up there and is intends on playing golf, you got to check that one out. It's just so different than than anything else you're going to experience. So, I love the mines. Highly encourage the mines. But after that, we. Uh, Decided to search around for a place to eat. Again, our theme was, you know, try to stay as close to the hotel as possible. Uh, we ended up going to eat. I, man, I cannot remember the name of the place we ate. I, I do want to shout out the waitress, though. She was kind of game for for pulling some pranks on you there. Um, it was uh, Pete's, Pete's, Pete's. Pete's Bar. Yeah. Pete's uh, Bar, yeah. And it had been around quite a while. They kind of told us some of the history of the place. Um, got the firecracker shrimp there, which is was top-notch. And uh, – Got a couple cold beers. Uh, you you got you a free ice cream cone. Uh, I did. I did. Uh, the, shout out to the people of uh, uh, at the ice cream stand across the street. They they didn't take a card, and I, I mean I attempted to pay, but uh, you know they. She said, "Quote uh, your money's no good here. I want to give you a blessing." So and y'all gave me a hard time about that. So I was really trying to be uh, be conscientious of, of how nice the people were. I wanted to pay for my ice cream, but they, uh, she just wouldn't let me. So, uh, people of Grand Rapids, great folks, Midwestern folks. Well, next up, we, uh, we got some rest and, uh, we headed uh, a little bit further. I believe it was East. Um, you'd have to check me on that. We, we covered about 2000 miles on this trip. Um, so the mapping was a little bit off, but we headed East to, uh, Pilgrim's run, which uh, I'm sure you have nothing but nice things to say. So I'm going to let you take the reins. For Pilgrim's Run. So I'm going to try to keep this short, but Pilgrim's Run, in my opinion, these people were the nicest people on the entire trip. Like when I say the pro shop, the staff, the people that put your, you know, bags on your carts, like they were so appreciative that like you came to play golf there. Like, and Again, insane value. It was $72, $71 or something to play with a cart. Um, you can't walk really, like just, I mean, I guess you could, but it would, you'd hate yourself after the round. Um, 
and I could go hole by hole, but like one of my favorite things about golf to an extent is some of like the quirky stuff that you don't always see, like uh, that, that I noticed that not always everyone notices, but uh, so every hole had like a name plate. Did you see that? Oh yeah. 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 So it's like, here's some of my favorite, again, not all these were my favorite holes per se, but like I, I went back and like looked at uh, the, the fly over the hole by hole. They had names like deception, uh, error hill, Dark Valley, which when I played that hole, if I remember specifically my game and mental state was in a bit of a dark valley, uh, Giant Despair, and then this one, the Valley of Humility, uh, which we all should strive to have more of a Valley of Humility. But uh, again, it's kind of echoing the themes, like the par threes on this course were great. I really remember four, number four, I think that actually was deception. Um, you know, it, it, it's just, you know, one of these like short wedge par threes that like you think you're going to be able to go after and there's some sort of mound, there's some sort of false front, the wind may swirl and you don't know about it and it can turn what seems to be an easy three into a four or five very, very quickly. Uh, and I just, I, I, I want that in Alabama and we don't, at least around the Shoals area, it doesn't seem like we have many of those uh, that just really captivates your senses on those short wedge charts. Um, number six, which Eric almost eagled, like literally lipped out an eagle. Uh, I made birdie. I don't remember if you made birdie. Is that considered one of the best holes in Michigan? Um, and it's got this center line, you know, uh, basically bunker that you have to navigate that you can throw up. And if you go in the bunker left, you're like dead. But if you navigate it correctly, you got a chance to make an eagle. And it's, uh, again, that's just, Mike DeReeves, the the different holes felt, you know, one of those things which, and it's, they say this on the No Laying Up podcast, but it does feel like each hole is its own entity. And I, I think that you could go into like what you want out of a golf course. But for me, like, if you're wanting to play somewhere every day and you live in Grand Rapids, like, I would drive 35 minutes, 40 minutes to play Pilgrim's Run and be a member there if you lived in Grand Rapids or the surrounding area. Like, that's that doesn't necessarily mean it was my favorite course that I played the whole time, but, like, that is, like, proper, immaculate, well-treated golf that, like, you're not going to get bored with. There's enough shot variety that you're just not going to get bored with it. So, I, again, that's that's my Pilgrim's Run uh, in a nutshell and great logo and great brought at the turn yeah no the the food was pretty good there at the end we ended up eating lunch there um i think it's important to note for me on this day this entire day for the trip i had no game not like not even a little um i had a great warm-up session we got there kind of early i was like man we're probably gonna get hit some balls i probably couldn't hit any better on the range which is a, always a telltale sign for you know, mid-level golfers that uh, this about to go poorly, and I blow the first tee shot way right, and and never really recovered throughout the day. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'll echo everything you said. It's if you're looking for condition golf, like hey, I want the best conditions I can possibly play, the best bang for my buck. This this course wins on the trip by a million. Uh, like every piece of grass in the rough was perfect. Uh, the greens were incredible. Uh, super fair now just because I, I shot a million doesn't matter it uh, doesn't mean that the course was you know in bad shape or something i'm just not that good and it was a tough course and um but it was it was awesome the starter up front really really nice guy part-timer that kind of explained a lot of things to us it was it was super fun to be out there uh, i hate that i i didn't even remember how to play golf on that particular course because 
Uh, I felt like I could have gave a good run. Eric actually played really well uh, that day, and I think he shot one of his better uh, scorers on the course, made back-to-back birdies on, on six and seven. Seven was an awesome part three. Um, mm-hmm. And so he had, if you hit good golf shots there, you, you're just right there in it. I mean, there was nothing If, if nothing you leave Pil- what – I mean, again, and it's just – not that it was aching because I, I can't describe how – it's way different than Alabama golf, but, like, you could leave Pilgrim's run and whatever score you shot, you're like, well, I, I pretty much deserve that. Like, it, there wasn't as many, like, tricks. And, like I said, I'm not knocking the mines or some of the other places we played, but there was – and we'll get into the loop, but like there's there's some things that like you could hit a good golf shot at some of the other places. You're like, well, I don't know what happened there. Like it kicked off of a NASCAR, uh, you know, pipe, half pipe. Like what am I supposed to do? So uh, again, whatever score you shot, you could be relatively sure that you earned it on at Pilgrim's Run. Two quick hole shout outs for that. I mean, I know again, you'll have to go watch some some video from No Laying Up if you want to see the holes. Number ten was an awesome par four. Um, I thought it was a great way to start the back nine. It's pretty short. Hit a good drive. You know, you're in perfect shape up the left side. Eric had an awesome drive. We both, or at least I know I blocked it out there right, got stuck behind a tree, had to find a navigator way to play par, and I, I ended up uh, making a par there. And then 18 is, of course, a really solid uh, – it, it is drivable, uh, par four, but uh, very tough, tough four there. You can make a three, and I probably win a lot of bets right there if you – if you so dare want to go for it. But um, I, I like Pilgrim's Run a lot. I wish I'd have played better. Um, have nothing but nice things to say about the staff. Man, like you're talking about, just over-the-top hospitable. Um, wanted to know, was very invested in how good of a time we had. Like, how, how can we make this better? How can we, um, you know, for more people coming up, how do we get the word out that this place exists? Uh, and I, I'll tell anybody that, you know, I, obviously we don't know that many people that just randomly go to Michigan and play golf, but if you're up that way, you got to play this one too. It's uh, if you like immaculate conditions for, you know, 70 bucks or whatever it was perfect. I would, I would highly recommend uh, going to Pilgrim's run. So next up we had head down to Lansing, Michigan, um, obviously East Lansing, home of the Michigan state Spartans. That was a, a cool tidbit. I, I think it's important that we did not have time to do virtually anything <laughs> in Lansing, um, but we were able to get down um, before our second tee time. We were prepping to play, uh, at one of the, I don't know if it's a resort course or one of the championship courses down there, a very highly rated course, but we'll get into that in a second. Also on the property though, there was a uh, seven, you mentioned it earlier, 1700, uh, was it foot or yards? I don't know. Um, I, I foot seems more appropriate. Um, 18 hole putting course, all on natural grass with bunkers and uh, water hazards. It, I mean, it was putt putt on real grass with real holes, uh, true par. Like uh, there there was a relative par on every hole, um, probably you know in in thirty minutes time, however long it took us to play the course, probably some of the most fun we've we've had. Uh, we actually extended the quota game for that particular round, and it just so happened to probably be your best playing round of the whole trip. But um, oh. yeah, no, no doubt it was. But uh, what did you think about that? I mean, it was so unique and so different. Um, before we headed out on the the championship level golf course, we were able to stop in and do that. It's just one of those things where you can spend $15 and the guy would let you loop it as many times as you want. And it's just, it's just proper fun. That's as simple as I can say it. Like you can, I mean, you just knock it around with your buddies. And uh, I mean, I laughed probably hardest on that particular putting course of anything. Like when you putted it into the bunker, uh, I forget what hole it was, but like that's, I mean, it's just, again, it's a good way to have, 
a big time with your buddies and just do something that's golf related, but it's not as serious. You're not trying to shoot a score. You're just out there having fun. And over the course of a five or six day trip, like you have to have some of that in there. Like we're up there to play golf, but like you can't be trying to grind every single day. And like, honestly, like we'll get into the loop and the duel, but that was kind of my downfall is like, we were actually playing the courses uh, I wanted to try to give them all their proper respect because I knew I might not be back. And like, that was a good break to just be able to do that. Yeah. And I mean, a huge piece of property in Lansing. I mean, it was only about two hours from the hotel. So I'm assuming it's really close to the campus as well. Um, but we, we headed out for the afternoon round at Eagle Eye. Um, I think the technical name is Eagle Eye Banquet and Banquet Center. There was a wedding going on there on a Sunday afternoon. So obviously a pretty popular spot. Um, my first instincts were, wow, this place is insane. A uh, huge clubhouse, um, big old practice area, which we didn't have time to really explore. We just kind of hopped in a cart, grabbed some, grabbed some beers for the afternoon wave and, uh, and took off. Um, we were one of the last ones out, uh, walk in the pro shop, you know, you pay your money and, you know, I bought what a, probably the best hat I got on the trip, a, a American flag Eagle hat, which was it's pretty sick. Um, but yeah, I'll kind of let you take the reins from here. Um, I've got, I've got some, some highly opinionated. I, I think we need to say the reason we chose this course, uh, it was kind of off the beaten path for us, but, uh, reason we chose this course is because of the 17th hole is a, a TPC sawgrass replica, um, almost identical as far as size, um, similar, obviously architects, uh, very much the same. And so, uh, that's the draw. That's the draw for that course for sure. Um, but I'll let you take the reins and I promise you, I'm going to chime in. Okay. So I, I'll try to keep this short. Like the, it's all about like what you like, right? Like it's a personal preference, like the Pete Dye family architectural design or whoever was part of the people that designed this, it might be worth $98, which I think is what the greens fee were. Like it's a little bit expensive. Um, not that doesn't include like the beers were high, like the food was high, like bags of chips were high, like everything on the property was a little bit pricey um, and probably rightfully so for as nicely manicured as the place was. It might be worth $98 to slap that down to be able to hit the shot into the 17 replica green. Like for real, it's it's a really cool shot with the wind howling. Like it, that being said, like I played probably one of my better rounds. Like, would you agree with that? Oh, I think it was your best round. I mean, I yeah, know like, was the best score, but for the the level of like turn up this golf course was and how hard it actually was. I mean, the wind is one thing, but you know, we played it from pretty far back, and you know, we'll get into some of the intricacies. But no, I I don't know what you shot, but to me, it was yeah. you hit some of your best shots of the trip, no no doubt. But yeah, yeah I think so I, I, I like scores irrelevant. But I think I shot like eighty two, like and we played it from sixty six sixty. 500 like and i'm sure jj will like the rough was crazy long like u.s open championship level like long um like you had to hit the fairway like even if that meant taking a five wood or a three wood or whatever off the tee like you may or may not find your golf ball and if you do it's just borderline unplayable um I'll say this, even though I like the course, like I typically, this is just a me thing. I play better at kind of, if it's in front of you, target golf, like 
et cetera. And I guess Eagle Eye is that. Um, like I think someone in the in the clubhouse had said that they'd hosted the Michigan Amateur Championship like most years. So like I can it's championship level course. Like not that I'm a championship level player, but it's it's kind of in front of you. If you hit the shot that you're supposed to hit, it rewards that particular play. Um, that being said, I didn't really have a whole lot of fun. Like I left the ground, even though I shot 82, and it was kind of like, how do I put this nicely or not nicely? It was kind of soulless. Like, it was like, okay, like, this just isn't, it wasn't fun. And like, that's where I would give you credit with like the mines and some of the, like all of those places weren't immaculately conditioned, like the greens, whatever, like it was, it's fun. Like it's what golf is, public golf should be. Like the place just, I don't know, it, not to let still any of your thunder, but although I played well, like you would think you would leave that place being like, man, yeah, I played well, like that's a fun course everyone should go play. Like, it was okay. Unless you're wanting to drop 98 bucks to go hit the replica green, the sawgrass green, in my opinion, it's one you could skip. Yeah, yeah. And I, so I'll, I'll echo that. I'll, I'll start my uh, little rant here by saying the starter, uh, right before we teed off, was very clear. Hey, you got to stay out of the rough. Um, he said, this stuff is gnarly. You don't want to be in there. But – and, and maybe this is kind of a product of where this course fell in our, our course lineup for the trip. So, you know, we played like four courses previous to that where you could hit it offline, um, but you're going to find it. You're going to be able to, to try to hit a miraculous shot or at least hack it back out. And so in my mind, I, I guess I hadn't switched that off yet. Um, we get to the very first hole and I hit a drive that I thought was perfectly fine. It was a dog leg right. Um, just kind of pull it a little bit, kind of hit it down the left side of the fairway, see it bounce several times and go into the, go into the rough uh, and never to be found again. And that kind of started the day. Uh, I'll, I'll say this, Eric knocks the hell out of the ball. And Eric was struggling to, you know, find the runoffs um, in the fairways because it would look like it would be perfect. It would probably take two bounces in and you're just not going to find it. Uh, and I just don't think that's, uh, you know, a recipe for success for public golf. Now, look, this you don't walk into this place um, you know, I, I equated a little bit to the RTJ courses here. You don't walk into these places and think, um, you know, they, they need my money, you know, to, to stay open. That's we're, we're so far away from that. They don't need it. They didn't need us that day. It was not the same experience as Pilgrim's run. Didn't talk to a single person there. And you know, I'm not going to knock the place. I mean, I am, but um, not anyone specifically, but didn't talk to a single person there about, you know, what we were doing from uh, Alabama. We were trying, I was in there trying to make conversations uh, no one really even attending the the snack bar there. Of course, we got there kind of late. So it just felt super rushed from the beginning. There was, no, you know, I didn't get any of that like appreciative and I don't have to be wine and dine. You know, I'm not I'm not stroking my own ego here, but it, we had just got such different experiences from all the other places leading up to that. So you just kind of can expect that to continue on. And that's not what we got. And uh, then, you know, obviously you start playing the golf course. The It's super tough, like extremely tough. I told you earlier, I did not have a golf swing on this day. Um, maybe it was better than I thought. And it was just the courses were that much harder and I wasn't playing them correctly. Um, but it, clearly you could shoot a score. You shot a score. I, I'll say number four or number five, the, the long par three, one of the hardest shots probably in golf. And you hit an incredible shot on that hole. Um, just all force carry wind howling out of the right. You got to, got to hold it up against the wind and, and you hit a great shot and some awesome par threes. I mean, 
we'll, we'll hold that. There was a, a long one on the back. Uh, I think it was playing like 210 or something. Eric hit a beautiful high draw, um, played the hole perfectly, exactly like you're supposed to. So it's not impossible. Uh, it just seemed like if you're there, and especially, you know, we're five rounds in and we're getting ready to kind of, you know, zero in on our, our tournament that was in a couple of days after that. And so, you know, we're trying to, you know, play good golf and, and turn it up. And it was, it's just, you get dejected by every single ball that you don't find by every single bounce that you don't get. Uh, and maybe that's part of the game at that particular place. I don't know, but uh, yeah, definitely my least enjoyable experience on the trip. I mean, hitting the shot on 17 was fun. Did not hit the green uh, with my first ball. Uh, you didn't either, by the way. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, it was a fun experience. I guess that I agree with you 98 bucks to hit that shot, but you know, if you wanted to, if I go back, I'd, I would pay $98 to hit it again and then not play the rest of the golf course. Cause it was a little too much for me. Maybe if I was full of energy, I could have, could have found it to, to hit some of the shots required, but you're hitting long irons into every green. And then, you know, if you're a little bit off the beaten path, you're just not going to find your ball. It's, you could look for, for days. And that's the last thing you want to do on a golf trip. Uh, the second part of a 36 hole day. And I, I just, I didn't enjoy my experience there nearly as much as I did everywhere else. Um, Obviously, beautiful place, beautiful conditions. But the thing is, like, and again, these are person. Like, I don't know. For some people, that's probably what they're looking for. Like, if you're looking again, immaculate conditions. Like, greens were might have been the best of the trip uh, for real. Like, they were perfect. But just I, when I leave a place, and it's like, yeah, I could have done without that. And I didn't feel like not just because you guys were having fun. Like, I, I mean, it was challenging. But it wasn't fun, and I don't know if that. The older I get, I want golf to be a little bit of both. Um, like I got ate up by the, the the loop bread course the second day, and which we'll get into. But like I had so much fun doing it. It can be hard, but like it's got to be have an element of shot making and fun. And and outside of a couple of holes, um, I think Eagle Eye didn't have that, but I mean, we can move on. That that's that's our Eagle Eye Ray, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So definitely, you know, go play it. Form your own opinion. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I think it's you know vastly overpriced. I understand why they got to charge that much, um, or why they can, and you know, but just not my cup of tea. Uh, not really what I was envisioning. I thought it would kind of be a little gimmicky the whole place, and then you get to play this island green. It turns out it's just massive championship golf course, you know, again, kind of RTJ vibes, but yeah, moving on. We uh, actually ate that night. Um, best food of the trip. Go ahead and put my hand up and say this uh, smoky bones, which is a, a chain barbecue place. I don't know if they have any in the South. I have no idea. First time I'd ever heard of it. Um, got the meat there, the three meats or whatever it was. Um, picked up some pulled pork, uh, some brisket and got a, a jalapeno cheddar uh, sausage. It was awesome the the service staff there again got to reiterate this because of the crackle bear experience so sorry we're ranting on this awesome she was incredible she asked us if we were in a band because we all had two-way miss stuff on we had to explain to her what it was she looked at us like we were crazy um but you know top-notch service top-notch food I, if i'm anywhere near one of those i know i can stop again and and get some uh get some great grub it was it was awesome yeah no it was it was excellent um for a chain restaurant, you can't beat something like that. So, um, yeah, a little bit of a weird. For, you had to pay for the food, right? I did because a little bit of a gamesmanship here. I'm not completely sold on whether this was true, but, I mean, the bet was 
whoever made the best score on uh, the Island Green. No, 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 no. That whoever, wasn't, and, and, that wasn't no, whoever made the whoever made the worst score, right? No, no, no. It was just literally closest to the hole. That's that okay. was that was the only thing. And your okay, your first shot was left. Mine was right. We had a kind of a front-ish right pin or middle-ish right pin. Uh, so we we well, deemed the ball closer. I'm not sure if that's accurate or not. Uh, we'll have to go back. Happy to, to do it. Right, so happy happy to do it. We could go back and look at the tape. Uh, we're happy to happy to pay for dinner there. Um, y'all, y'all borderline made yourself sick. Banana pudding, the donuts. Like no, it, it was, was a good experience. It was a good experience. It was awesome. Uh, but want to shout out the hotel too. Best hotel probably <laughs> of the trip. Uh, well, I don't know. We'll get into the Lake Hotel soon, but um as far as like you know they had literally any breakfast option you could ever want so big shout out to those i think it was a spring hill suites by marriott uh east lansing university right next to the campus um so we wake up the next morning we then we uh trek north and um i think what gets lost especially living in the south is how rural it can be in some of these places up north you uh a lot of uh florence alabama vibes in northern michigan uh and so we we start heading that way. You basically drive until you lose cell service, uh, and then you run right into it. Uh, we go to Force Dunes, a resort um, with two, I guess three, if you depending on how you look at it, golf courses on site. Uh, we didn't actually stay on site, but we uh, we showed up the next morning uh, ready to play our practice round for the duel. Uh, we played the red course, uh, which you know let's let's just give a little background if, for anybody that's not familiar. The loop is a completely reversible golf course. So you have 18 greens, 36 tee boxes, and it can be played in one direction uh, and then turned around and played in the other direction. Now, the tournament we were playing in the next day is the only one of the only times of the year that you get three times each year, the 31st of May, the 31st of July, and the 31st of August. Uh, and they play it called the duel, and you play the golf course in both directions. It's the only time you get to do it all year long. Um, it's a two man best ball event. And so this is the tournament we registered for, got picked for the lottery. Uh, so we were getting ready to play our practice round and it was just happened to be the red, uh, the red routing for the day. And so we all, you know, tee off on number one, we, um, before that we went to the practice area, just amazing practice area. I mean, this is a resort golf course. Um, and so there's a lot of people that are, that are staying on, on site that are just there for golf. Um, of course they had cornhole, they have music blaring. It was, kind of a very unique awesome like bro experience uh i guess that would be kind of how i took it in but we went hit some balls and then we went to they have an 18 hole putting green now much different than the the putting green over at eagle eye or little hawk um but they have 18 holes out there uh kind of running through the forest and you get to put on all of them and then a nice little chipping and and short game area but then we got to start on the loop and we uh we spoke with the starter i believe his name is daryl which had shout out to daryl because he had the the most perfect Canadian accent you'll ever hear. And he was trying to explain to us, you know, what the duel was. Of course, we already knew, but he was trying to explain to us what the duel was. And then he uh, kind of advised us to go ahead and play it from all the way back. Um, very important to note, this was our, our first experience with anything like this on the entire trip, anything like this in golf, um, period. But we also had to do it in, what, 30-mile-an-hour gust, uh, a constant 20-mile-an-hour wind, probably 15, 20 uh and that that turned things up quick um but it was it was as tough a conditions from a wind standpoint and i have not played golf overseas but it felt very like scottish ireland like 
at least from a win standpoint. Now it was 75 and 80 and sunny. Like the, I mean, you can't complain about anything other than a win, but it, the conditions on this particular day were almost worse than it was the previous or the following day. And it was just as hard the next day. Yeah. So we, we start on the red routing, um, kind of hit our tee shots down there. <laughs> I knew on the first approach into the green that we, we were somewhere, you know, we weren't in home anymore, Toto. So uh, we weren't in Kansas anymore. I guess that's appropriate for you, but yeah. uh, I knew quickly that these greens were, were different um, shelves, knobs, runoffs false fronts false backs i I don't know it's hard to describe what it what it actually was for all of these greens um we were thumbing through the yardage book obviously trying to kind of plot out hey you can miss right here you can kind of you you know you want to take this one on you this is a chance we can score this is one we got to be careful with shout out to the yardage book like cool like it's the yardage book itself is completely reversible so yeah no that's <laughs> just uh, it's everything kind of there is yeah. reversible it's <laughs> the whole the whole place is reversible it, it was awesome the the golf course was excellent because our expectations were right so we, we kind of had an idea of what this was going into it um so we play a few holes um i guess noticeable holes were uh you know number five i think was a super long par four it kind of uh, you got to go up a hill and then it kind of dog legs to the left. Then you got to go back. It goes down where you walk and then you go right back up to this elevated green. Um, can, the yard can, I interrupt, yeah. can I interrupt you there? So, so five, like I have a yardage book in front of me and this is actually one of my favorite things on the entire trip. So five is, it says, I'm reading directly from the yardage book. It says a par four for the big boys. This long hole is better approached as a three shotter by most of us, especially since they chip from the short side of the green. It's far easier than a recovery from the side. So, like, Doke is basically telling you on this 467-yard par four, when there's bunkers right off the fairway, and then there's a bunker that is right of the green, that, like, you probably are not going to get to this thing in two. Like, you just – it's it's basically a par five, but I've got four on the card. Um I, To me, that was one of – like, I once I read that, like, I was trying to be in the yardage book and, like – break down hey how am I supposed to play this course I was like I I, I may be in trouble here which we were <laughs> yeah no it was it was you know for every hole like that though you know once you turn it back going downwind I think nine was uh well I guess our 18 when we played it in the duel but um super long par five but when you get it downwind it's not as challenging I'm sure if that the wind was blowing in a different direction there it would be nearly impossible um, but when you get going downwind, you, you know, it, it shortens the whole golf course because be, it is so firm out there. You can't even remotely describe, uh, I mean, it is, it is as close to playing on concrete as you possibly could. Uh, the bounces, you know, you're playing 20 yards short in front of every single green, uh, especially the holes that are downwind because you have no chance of stopping it. If you don't, um, it was such a different, unique style of golf. And you almost didn't feel like you were playing the same game. I mean, there were times I was hitting seven irons from 200 yards, and there was times I was hitting three wood from 200 yards. And, you know, it just depending on the shot and what I was – where I was able to aim. Uh, where it just, the wind was. Yeah, you had to take so much into account. Uh, we were talking about it during the duel. It seemed like the wind was so extreme. Like, maybe I hit it a little bit right, but if the wind is blowing off the left and you're hitting it a little bit right, it just seems like it takes the ball forever right. And maybe it's because the land is open out there and the landscape and you can kind of see it and where it's going to go uh, as opposed to, you know, being tree lined. And once it's going right, you just kind of quit looking. 
Um, maybe that's part of it, but it seemed like the ball would go, you know, 50 yards right if you if you hit even remotely, you know, coming over the top of it and hitting it a, a little bit bad. So uh, our experience during the practice round was just like, man, I, I didn't know at that point if we could compete. I mean, I, obviously we were going to do our best, but I was more or less just kind of like, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be – you have to put – this is a USGA sanctioned event. You, you have to put everything out, um, or at least one person on the team has to. Um, you're hitting provisionals. If you, if you don't know where your ball is going, you got to re-tee. Um, and we, we certainly had our fair share of those. I mean, just, you know, Tom Doak is, is the architect. He, he wrote the little book that they gave us uh, for part of our TGIS. But obviously, he, he doesn't believe in a style of golf where he believes you can have fun through uh, misery, I guess. And so uh, that, was, that was my first, you know, takeaway from the practice round. I, I didn't get too deep in the – I mean, I started writing notes and then instantly was like, hey, you're just going to have to see it and do it out here. It's not a uh, not a place where you're like, oh, I can miss left, right. I, I just kind of read his notes as we went along and, and hoped I got it right. But there was times where you just you were going to make a six. And that was probably a pretty good score that day. You don't really know relative to where everybody else was, but um, just a just a wild, wild place that you can't. Unless you go do it, if you're a golf nut and golf junkie, and and you don't go play the loop, you'll never be able to understand what this place is actually like. It's it's just it's so different, so unique, but awesome at the same time. Like I, I just want to reiterate, like I love, like we both probably like left some stuff out there, like if we were to go and recap around, but like if I'm ranking the courses, like just on the trip, the loop, both of them, well, specifically the black routing was my favorite because like. You hit shots like at one point I hit a ball off a stump. I hit a almost 400 yard drive on a par four. Um, you hit and then you can't stop the wedge downwind. Like there's some crate like I five putted if you count the putt from off the green. Like the round itself was the most memorable round that I've had in a long time. And that's like. If you're someone who has played target golf, and I've said even on this podcast earlier that, like, that's probably what I'm best at. Um, if you kind of see green, hit green, putt from here, you're not going to play well. Like, he makes you think differently. And when you only got one or two loops around the place, like, it, it's hard to enjoy. By the third round, the black routing, I was like, my mind had basically been like, this would this would take – infinite routings to basically try to figure out a where to miss and like how to run the ball up and and, and to me that's a sign of like a really cool golf course that, again like we don't just get to play very often so like I, as much as like we may complain about things like it was so unique and so awesome that like I can't say enough good things about it so anyway sorry to interrupt you there oh you're good so I mean, let's just real quick go to Forest Dunes. Forest Dunes was actually the original course on the property. The loop was built, I think, in the uh, 2000s. Um, the Forest Dunes was there, much more traditional golf. Um, now, super golf course. Um, I think the the cool, unique thing about it is, and uh, luckily we were able to get some insight from the no laying up guys before we got there, that if you're going down the first nine holes, it's it's Forest Dunes. And so the first nine holes are way back in the forest and you're tree-lined and it's thick rough and it's the traditional you know way of playing golf and then you make the turn and all of a sudden you got sand dunes everywhere you got waste areas some of that high you know annoying grass that's in these bunkers 
Um, and so, you know, it's just two completely different sides. Um, I actually thoroughly enjoyed the course, um, the, the Forest Dunes Resort course. It was um, of the ones that were like well manicured and, and I guess that we could, I mean, all of these courses are in great shape, but of the ones that we played, I, this one was up there for me just because I thought, I thought it was, I had a, like a ton of variety and it had things that most golf courses don't have. And, you know, I think on, on the buy hole at the very end, you know, we'll get into that in a second, but, you know, it had a bunker right in the middle of the green uh, and then, you know, green right. around it. And so you, you just get different aspects of golf that you're just not going to get here. Um, I shout out to the, the first few holes. I thought it was, they were awesome. Uh, we knew that it was going to be an immaculate shape and, uh, Jay was our starter there. He, uh, he kind of gave us a little rundown of, of the course and he said, you're going to love it. And then he, everybody there would constantly go back to the duel. Hey, you guys playing in the duel tomorrow? And they would give you this look like, yo boy, you know, like not only are you having to walk 36 holes, but we just kind of described how tough it was, but, um, but we were getting one last round in, this was Eric's last round. This was the last round of the birdie bet. Um, we basically at the start of the trip, we, we said everybody was going to throw in $2 for every birdie made, uh, and the last birdie made on the trip, uh, took it home. So it came down to the wire, uh, <laughs> unfortunate for both me and you, Eric saved his best chip for last and chipped in on 16, which I believe was a par five. Um, and he made, birdie this, is, there. Ended up this is, this is not a knock on, you know, Eric's chipping, although he may take it that if he's listening to the pod, like. He hadn't hit many good chips the entire trip, and he holds one on like hole fifteen or sixteen while I'm leading the birdie bet. So it's it was a great show. Yeah, yeah son of a good player, man. They they rise right. up the moment, presents right. itself, and so probably hit the highlight of his trip. And you know, I I thought it was seventeen short drivable par four. At this point, it's kind of hard to not say you know we're pretty wore out, uh, especially mentally because we know what's coming the next day. Yeah, like that's that, again not to interrupt you, but like that's the only thing I wish I had back at from Forestoons. When you're playing as much golf as that, like not only are you going to have at least one bad round, you're going to have one round that you're like, I'm just I don't know if I want to hit a ball. And like Forestoons was my round for that. Like I don't again think I gave it its full appreciation. I tried, but I I grinded during our practice round. I shot a pretty good score. Not that score matters, but I shot a pretty good score at the loop. And was like trying to focus on that, and then like just being able to play Forest Dunes, it was like, gosh, like about hole seven, I was like, I, I want to be doing almost anything other than hitting a golf shot. But I appreciated the landscapes, and like it, it, again, it's one that like I wish I had a better mental frame for, I guess, you know, or a golf game to be able to fully appreciate it. Yeah, Tom Weiskopf design, which uh, you know was the only one on the trip that we played, and again, not a big architectural guy i know we played several you know literally world-class architects uh, golf courses on this trip which was pretty fun um you know we can we can say that we played quite a few variety uh, just based on this trip alone um shout out number 17 and number eight they're great holes they also have what they call the buy hole it's essentially a 19th hole um good place to settle bets we excited we decided to extend the birdie bet into the buy hole and i i almost hit a hosel straight right into the bunker um it, i was pretty gassed at this point and then i almost hold the bunker shot to win the birdie bet that would have been fun uh you had a pretty good look at it i believe uh, from way down the hill and eric actually hit one pretty close but you know shout out to eric won the birdie bet uh shout out to you for winning the quota game we also closed out the quota game uh you got you a, a nice free shirt you know based on that so 
Um, I, I won nothing on this trip. I just want to reiterate that, you know, that that's just how it went down. But uh, I guess the real the real winning and the real joy is being with you guys. But that was the Forest Dunes experience. Wish we could spend more time on it. I, I think it's worth more time. Uh, we go back in. Everybody's playing music. They're playing cornhole. It's almost dark at this point, so we are getting ready to head back to the, the cabin, and we stopped at a little pizza joint. Um, it very much right out on the lake, you know, exactly what you think of when you think of a pizza joint on the lake. Great food, um, and we took it back. Probably our most scenic view. I'm sure if, if you follow us on Facebook or you know Instagram or anything, you saw some of the pictures of the hotel we stayed in. I have no idea how to say it. I, I heard uh, like eight different iterations of how to say the lake. Houghton or Houghton? Houghton, I think. I don't know. Houghton Lake. Um, stayed right on the lake. Really cool um, <laughs> hotel room, little beach hotel. Very affordable too. So I mean, again, there's nothing going on out there uh, at all. But it was it was a fun experience. Um, helped us rest up because tomorrow was uh, tomorrow was the day for sure. So the duel. Uh, again, we've kind of reiterated the tournament and you know everything that that goes on. This was the thirteenth. I don't know. It's not annual, so it's they do play it three times. But it was the thirteenth iteration of the event uh, since they've been holding it, and so we felt very privileged. First of all, to to get to play in it. Obviously, a little bit lucky with the draw. We were the only team from Alabama that that got into the draw for all three, uh, all three tournament dates. So we represented the the great state of Alabama. Um, got there pretty early, warmed up. Um, everybody very hospitable, stretching. You see a lot of guys. And a couple guys were hoofing it, man. They carried their bag the whole 36 holes. We were lucky enough to take our push carts and uh, not get too wrapped up in any of that. But hit a few balls. You want to save your energy, uh, drink a lot of water, got a good breakfast in, and uh, headed out to the first tee where we met uh, met Tim and Craig. Um, very, very important part of the story here uh, for me. And hopefully they listen to this. If they've gotten this far, they're sickos like us. So. Um, but Tim and Craig were great to play with a couple guys that are originally from Grand Rapids. Once that lives there, one lives in Chicago. Now uh, they were, they, I think they'd played the golf course before, but you know, this was their first time in the duel as well. You know, when you go to an event like this, you, you're thinking, man, I, I haven't played by the rules of golf. That sounds terrible. I haven't played by the rules of golf and God knows how long, because you kind of just make up whatever rules you want to, when you're playing with your buddies and, you know, to make the game fun or fair or whatever. And, uh, this was not going to be that way. We USGA event, you provisionals, put everything out, at least one person from the team, play the ball down, uh, had a scenario where you had to take an unplayable lie, and that's all part of the equation. So we didn't know how playing with someone was really going to uh, affect that and, and to our advantage. And, and we were super lucky and fortunate to get paired with them where uh, that wasn't just a huge deal. Obviously, we played by the rules, but, you know, it wasn't one of those situations where you felt like they were breathing down your neck to, to do everything right. They just trusted you to – to follow the rules and you trusted them and that's the way it should be on the golf course. So um, shout out to, to Tim and Craig. The experience was awesome. We'll, we're definitely going to talk about them some more throughout. Um, before we get started, real cool story from them. Uh, I believe it was Tim who said that uh, for those of you like me that grew up uh, in the early 2000s and late 1990s, uh, probably watched American Pie. Uh, Tim told us that the high school that he went to that's where they filmed American Pie. And I think one of the cool tidbits was a lot of the stories that they used for the movie was actually true. It wasn't just scripting and writing. There was a lot of very specific instances in the movie. Um, he said his ex-girlfriend's cottage was where they shot Stifler's 
um, I guess after party for after graduation or after prom or whatever it was. I can't remember. It's in the movie forever. Um, don't want to get too much in the weeds on this, but we'll just keep it very, very, you know, basic when I describe and say that the flute incident, if you've watched American Pie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. True story. Uh, did not happen for a flute player. It was a drum major, but actually happened. Uh, and that is, that was unbelievable to hear on like the second tee or something when they start telling us, telling us some of those stories. So yeah, American pie, uh, based on true events, who would have, who would have known? Yeah, it was, uh, great guys to play with and they had, I mean, I hope, I feel like my stories were not nearly as good as theirs. They had some, I mean, Craig has a laundry list, bucket list of not only just great golf courses, but great stories. He told me many about his alma mater, Loyola, Chicago, um, and again, it's just some, some bucket list sports stuff that he's been on. So they, again, they, like you don't know who you're going to get paired with and whether a, they're going to be like sticks and just like, you know, not fun to play with, but that was not our experience. Like they literally, like you're supposed to, after the first 18, we were supposed to be paired up with somebody else. And they like literally went to the starter and like, no, we're playing with those guys again. And that's a testament to them more than us, because I don't know how much fun we were to play with, but they were absolute blast to play with. And that's, uh, and it makes the, I think Craig said that he had like a, a whoop or a Fitbit or an Apple watch or something. He said like, at the end of the day, it was like a 16 or 17 mile trek, like, which is pretty crazy. Like when you think about it. So if you're going to, you know, go on a 17 mile walk and whack a white ball around, like, it's good to do it with people that uh, make it accommodating. Yeah, no doubt. We uh, we really enjoyed our time with them. So let's get into the golf a little bit, um, so we can we can break down how we finished this thing. Um, so the very first tee, let, I think it's important to note that you had to hit a provisional on the first tee. Uh, I, I think Craig did as well, or not Craig Tim, um, which is not as embarrassing as my first hole story. So on the very first hole, I I blow it right. Um, the PGA professionals up there, he tells us, you know, this is unlike any other event, blah, 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 blah. Hit a shot to the right. I don't hit a provisional. They said, yeah, it's going to be up over there. We end up finding the ball. Uh, I try to punch out and I punch across the fairway. Now the loop is kind of known for your, Hey, you're probably going to find your ball. And that was our experience the day before I didn't lose a, a ball the entire time we played. So I felt pretty confident that, you know, I could do that again. Uh, punched one across the fairway into probably some of the thicker stuff. Um, we started on 10, so it was on the left side of 10. Uh, and I never found that ball. So that was a introduction to tournament golf for JJ had to go back and hit another punch out. Uh, and I was hitting my fourth shot for my second punch out. And I ended up making a seven on that hole. Uh, luckily you, you got us in for bogey and we were on our way. Um, but yeah, just a absolute punch in the face, right. At the very beginning, I had no idea what to expect. Of course you, in your mind, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to go out and, you know, birdie or part of this. And we're going to get off, started off the right uh, foot. I think starting at number 10 on the red is the hardest it could possibly be. Uh, of the four places you could start, you could start at 10 at red, one at red, 10 at black, one at black. Uh, we started 10 on red, and I think that's the hardest hardest place it could have possibly been. So uh, tough start, but we kind of rided the ship there a little bit. I don't think we really uh, – the wheels really came off. I think on like the fifth hole, which was our 14th, um, we had a straight down wind hole, and I was able to hit driver wedge and – and make a birdie it was actually one of the handicap holes for us so it was a, a net eagle uh, so at that point in the round we were feeling pretty good i knew we were hovering around you know a couple over um but we knew it was going to be tough for everybody the walk was hadn't really set in yet you know it was we were just getting cranked up and uh 
And then we went to uh, 16, 17, and 18. And I'm going to let you kind of guide us through those holes where this, uh, it kind of went south. <laughs> so 16 is a long par four. And again, the, the, the big thing is like, Doke, if you try to aim at flags, if you have played golf and you think, hey, I'm going to aim at flags and I'm just going to hit it at the flag, he's going to eject you. And this is about the time when we started to get a little bit ejected. Um, I believe if – I want to say either I lost the ball. But you were the one that had to basically finish this hole out on 16. And you had a very short putt either for par or bogey. I forget which one. It may, it may have been for bogey. And you missed like a two-footer. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, this could go <laughs> languish. Like, this, this is not good. Like, we were kind of just kind of piecing it together hoping that you had a good hole or I had a bad hole. So we get up to 18 and you hit your tee shot like miles right. And I'm thinking, okay, like, let's be sensible here. It's 255 to this bunker up here on the left. Like, let's try to play a cut off of it. It's a long hole, but I played it yesterday. Like, it's not that bad if you can get something up and around the green. So <laughs> essentially, I find my ball. Craig is telling me his Loyola story. Like, I'm kind of engaged in that. Like, it's about his final four and his master's run. And, like, I was like, well, gosh, this is not an easy shot. Like, there's not a lot of tree-lined areas, and this is certainly not tree-lined, but there are trees kind of on the left of 18. And uh, essentially, like, my ball, you kind of have to hit, like, a rope hook draw. Um and I did. I, I executed that shot, and it was going right at the flag. Well, 18's green. It's got, like, this swell that, like, runs through the middle of it, and everything kind of falls off, which that's kind of the, what you expect that if you've played this enough. Like, I, I'm like, okay. And my ball is, you know, five, ten yards behind the green. So I decided to putt it. And this was one of the pins, which if you listen to the no laying up guys, which not that we're going to echo their sentiments uh, of the a couple of things they do. There were a few pins that were certainly borderline unfair. And while I did put the ball five times, so I have no one to blame but myself. Um, basically, if you leave it short, it's going to run through the swell all the way back to you. If you put it up on top of this plateau, where the pin was, you have to almost leave it short because if you run it a little bit by, it's going to run back down the swell and possibly go all the way off the green. So my first putt goes up on the top of the swell, but I've got like 17 feet left. Like, and it's a par putt, and I'm okay with that. But because of what I was scared of, I leave it about, you know, four feet short. And, you know, it's one of those where it's still downhill. It breaks a foot and a half, seemingly like on a downhill putt, and you're like, God, like, how am I supposed to make this? I either, like, try to jam it in and, like, hope it goes in, or if it hits a lip, it could go anywhere. And it hits a lip and goes all the way down, and, again, we, we, we basically make a seven from right off the green, so off of a five putt if you count the putt from off the green. So it, it, at this point, like, you have picked up, you didn't find your ball or whatever, so we went from, you know, we're leaving strokes out there. Um, and, and honestly, like, I was kind of – not that we played well on the back nine of red, but, like, we pieced it together enough where it just didn't get completely out of hand. Like, at that point in the round, we're more than a couple over. I mean, in a best ball, we're – and this is – again, this is not dealing with a handicap. We're a lot over. So, like, we could have kind of been like, God, we have 27 more holes of this. 
Um, but after we blew off some steam, we, we really, I mean, we righted the ship a little bit, I guess would be the way to say it. Yeah. And, and again, no doubt 10 through 18 on the red routing is the, the toughest nine hole stretch you're going to have on that on either side. So we had played the toughness, like the tough as it was going to get, uh, we go to number one. Um, I think I made a bogey there. We, we just kind of, we made bogeys and pars on the front. I think we ended up shooting a couple over, uh, and finished up the first round. Um, with a, I think it was a gross 83 and a best ball on a par 70 course, obviously not ideal. Uh, we had a net no. 76. So we were about 10 shots off the pace at that point. I think we were in like 13th place of 32 teams. So nothing too bad. Um, you know, we, we knew where we left some, if we just make a couple parts, we doubled 16, you know, the whole, I missed the short putt and then we both tripled 18 and that's five shots right there. So we knew we uh, we could clean it up and, and get back out there. We ate a, a solid lunch. Um, you got a that, that is one of the things they did provide food for you several different times for that for this specific tournament. So that was cool because uh, you just walked eighteen holes. You come inside and you got about an hour hour and a half before your your second tee time and you know you eat and you kind of sit down a little bit, get off your feet, conserve energy, but you don't want to sit down too much because you know you're just going to go back out there and do it again. I think it was really cool. I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was me realizing, hey, we got uh, only 18 more holes left on the trip. Also, I kind of got reinvigorated when, you know, Tim and Tim and Craig went up to the start and was like, no, nah, we're going to play with these dudes. And uh, we exchanged scorecards again. And I was like, yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Let's let's go play some more golf. And I felt better about it for some reason. It, I had never seen the black version of this course. But, um, you know, you could see it when you're walking the red. You could kind of see some of the holes that you were going to be facing. And I, I felt like it was going to get a little easier for us. And, and the scores reflected that, not just for us, but also for everyone else. Um, I mean, they, I think it was miles better. Other than, other than Tim and Craig, they, I think they beat yeah. us by like four or five shots the first round, shot like a, a gross 78 and, and played pretty good. Um, I mean, they left a few my, out my there. Guy, my guy, Tim, ran out of gas. You could tell <laughs> that yeah, he, like, he, he ran out. Like, Craig was trying to carry the mail there, and, and Tim – Tim certainly read out. Well, Craig had an so. epic chip in on like the 16th hole in the red routing, which our 16th hole, so like number seven or something like that. Uh, that that same hole that we talked about that, you know, they say play as a, a three-shotter on the par four, he chipped it in right yeah. there. So they yeah. had some juice going into the back uh, or going into the next 18. And uh, we we get out there, um, play number – we started on 10 on the black, played it pretty <laughs> sensible. What I remember the most about the loop, um, and is, is this hole specifically. Now I had some good moments we're going to talk about here coming in, but um, on number ten, I had a perfect drive. I mean, there's 25 some odd people sitting there watching, so you're amped up, you're juiced up. It's like, hey man, it's the last 18 of the trip, last 18 of the tournament. I feel like we're not that far back. We can make a run here, uh, and I just pipe one right down the middle. Um, had like 222 in something like that, which on the par fives here means you only have to hit like a 185 yard shot, 190 yard shot. And I kind of I fanned it out to the right, still in solid position, but it just look my my golf game is predicated how I'm going to play that day is predicated on how well I am around the green. So like I my I'm trying to get better with my golf swing. I, I trained really hard for this. Uh, I, I try to train my body to to swing this many times in, over the course of five days. But also, I really wanted to play well in the tournament, so I practiced a lot, took a bunch of lessons. Um, so I was, I was feeling about as good as I could coming into this. Um, and I always just rely on my short game and my putting. So I was up around the green and two, which is exactly where I want to be and feel good about it. The loop is so difficult. Uh, at this point, I ended up making a seven on the hole, you know, and I, yeah. nothing very similar to how you were on that 18th hole. 
I chip it up there. It wasn't even a bad chip. I just hit it a little too hard. It runs off the back. Now I'm chipping again, chipping for four. This time you're a little scared. You take a different club. You take a little bit more loft. You get it up on top of the mound there. You have 25 feet for par. You run it by five feet. You miss that one. And, and all of a sudden you made a seven, even though you're right by the green and two. And so obviously took the wind out of my sails just a little bit <laughs> on that one. Uh, thankfully, you played a pretty good front nine on the black course. I'll kind of let you take it from there, and I'll take over the back nine. But the um, the front nine on the black course, you kind of you, you held it together there for a little while, held the team and the squad there together. And I think you played some of your best golf, um, even though it was we were we were struggling at that point. Yeah. So I mean, I think personally, like again, the black course, like it just it. To me, it fit better that way uh, than the red course. I mean, this is all things are a personal opinion, but like 12, the the part, it was a part three on the red course going in. And I felt like that green was impossible to hold, but essentially like coming in the other way, it was a beautiful hole. And then you get 13, which is this part three, um, the longest part three on the property and Basically, you know, there's just a lot of different ways to play it. And again, we were able to kind of, I don't know, like I, I had at that point been like, Vokey's not always a terrible score. You just need to give yourself a par putt. Like I, not that I figured out Tom Doak's game, but I basically said like, you may miss the, what is quote unquote the green, but you just need to try to give yourself a five to seven to eight foot par putt. And if you do that, you're going to make a few of them because the greens were all very, very true. Um, and, and that's kind of was the story of that front nine, um, which essentially, like I said, I hit a, one of my longest drives, I think, on 14. I'm looking at the scorecard here. Like it uh, like bombed down there, had like 121 yards in. And this is where I could have got super frustrated, but like I found a way to make a bogey. Like had 121 yards in hit pitching wedge but like when I say I chipped it just like I chipped it and it hits right where I wanted to exactly where I was aimed and it rolls I mean I've got a 60 foot putt and I mean at that point you're kind of playing chess with my putting game and this is not like an easy green to, to putt on so we you know a three putt but like again we just kind of hold it together and when we make the turn uh, and we start going down 18 on red, which was one on black. Um, I kind of looked at you and like, I drank what seemingly was my 16th bottle of water of the day and just knew that like, I didn't have a whole lot of gas left. You had made a good par, I believe on, I guess that was 18, right? Yeah, we both actually made par on 18. It was yeah. a, kind of a redeeming story for you because that's that was the side of the, the five putt from the yes. round before. And then you the best thing about it is, and it took us forever to realize it like way too long into this, you audibly said, what does it matter if I hit driver or hybrid? I've got 220 coming in or 180 coming in. You're still going to have to hit a long shot and bound it up into these greens. So like, I'm going to get the ball in play. And that's what you yeah. started doing on the front nine. And that's, I think that's a big part of the game out there. You feel like, oh, I'm downwind. The ball's going to run forever. Let's just murder driver. Uh, yeah. And you can, you can certainly do it if you're hitting it good. The guys behind us were obviously some, some good players and they were, you know, they were seemingly in the middle of the fairway, every single hole. Um, so you can definitely do it, but you know, I think our, for our games and definitely for what fits your style, once you started laying back, you, you, uh, you played a good front nine right there, but yeah, no, I, I remember getting off 18 green and I was looking at Tim and of course, Tim, Tim was a little sunburned at this point and, 
you know, the wind was out of the sails for pretty much the entire group. I think on number one for black. Tim's, Tim's, as quick, Tim's like, I look over at him and like, I knew this is where it was, it's a tough scene for him. And like, Craig was going to have to try to carry the mail. Like Tim's doing like yoga. He's like stretching his hip flexors. And he's got like three bottles of water. Uh, and, you know, just, I was like, oh man, he, he may be out of gas at this point, which I was as well. Oh. Uh, which will, Yeah. Well, on number one, they they both ended up losing a ball, having to play a provisional. I think they made triple, and and that's kind of where their tournament unraveled was on this side. But this is where we picked up steam. I think you made a good par on number one. Number one was a very very difficult hole on the black course. Uh, it was it was eighteen coming the other way, and that's just not friendly terrain. There's bunkers everywhere, thick grass on the left and right, uh, some of the thickest on the property, and then you're going back into these greens where we said earlier were the hardest uh, on the course to play. So. Uh, you kind of picked us up there, and uh, we got three or four holes into the back nine. And luckily, and I don't know, maybe it's, uh, you know, the old athlete in you or whatever, I found a little bit of energy, and I found a, a different gear. We had a, a pretty easy par five in front of us. At this point, we have, I mean, kind of our philosophy is we're not going to keep score. We're just going to write it down and then see where we're at when this whole thing finishes up. And we had a pretty easy par five. Um, I had just made a couple really strong pars, uh, one of which I made like a 20-footer for par on that punch ball green number four. Uh, and so we, we were feeling some momentum here. We had no idea what was coming in front of us. Um, get a downwind par five. I had 200 yards in, hit a seven iron, about 40 feet. I actually held the green. Um, Two-putted for, for birdie there, so got a little momentum there. And then, you know, for me, obviously, the, the whole of the trip was right after that. So um, – it's a pretty For tough seven. par three. Yeah, seven on the black course was a, a tough par three uh, coming the other way. Um, I hit a, a terrible drive out to the right. Pretty much it, except the fact that I wasn't going to find it, and you were on your own for that hole. But luckily, a marshal comes out of nowhere. and I didn't even see him come up there. And, hey, Titleist four. And I was like, yeah, that's me. And uh, so I sprint back. I just grabbed a nine iron. I had no idea what the yardage even was. Didn't matter because I kind of hit a tree and – uh, it landed about 65, 60, 65 yards uh, away from the hole in the middle of the fairway. At this point, I'm trying to play fast. It's a drivable par four, really. Uh, and the guys behind us, I knew were playing good, and they were already on the tee. So I just kind of grabbed a 50-degree wedge. And I was like, hey, just punch into that mound and, and see what happens. And um, it went in. And that was uh, – I don't want to be anticlimactic or anything. I, I could barely see it go in. I knew when I hit it, I nipped it perfect. Uh, you were standing right up there by the hole. Uh, and so I was, I was pretty confident, you know, it was going to be a good shot. And I think you had a pretty makeable par look at this point. Um, so I felt good. We we're going to make par and get out of there, but no, I uh, just, uh, one of those, one of those moments that, you know, I'm so glad it happened on a trip like this and a tournament like this, uh, it goes in, everybody loses their freaking mind. I mean, complete chaos. Craig's hugging me in the middle of the fair. We, we've all sweated. We're, <laughs> it was, it was a high five moment. We get up there and then Tim's like, I didn't even see it go in. <laughs> so it was one of those scenarios. We were deliriously tired. It was the next, or I mean, third from last hole in the, the whole trip. And, uh, and then you hold one out for birdie and, um, you know, just a, a memory I'll have literally forever. I haven't held out in a long time. So it was, it was cool to do it and, uh, cool to see everybody's reaction. And, you know, again, a testament to Craig and Tim on how cool they were because they, they celebrated probably more than we did. Yeah, absolutely. Like it was, it was a great shot. Like it landed perfectly. And I will say that if it doesn't, if it doesn't hit the stick and go in, uh, it was it was going to be a little bit far by. But it was a great shot, and uh, like I said, you you certainly carried us on the back. I had a I had a shank, which, which I'm not saying I'm the best golfer ever, but I normally don't do that. And when I start shanking it, it's like uh, 
you know, we don't want to use the S word, but it, it, you know, it, it was cool to see not only you just, you know, carry us there at the end, but just to finish up a, a good day as the sun sets and get some food in us and, and, and just kind of see where we stood, which uh, wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. No, we, uh, so I almost, you know, almost make birdie again. I made two straight, almost make birdie on the 17th hole of the day, ended up making par there. And then you made a, a four net three on the final hole. So we, to say we finished strong was like a serious understatement. I think net, we finished three under in the last four holes. So, uh, very, very proud of that. I think that's, that's super understated considering we just played all that golf and walked 36 holes and, and we left there with a, with a good taste in our mouths. We went inside and, and got some food, kind of see where we all shook out. I think by final count, we were right there in the middle. I think we finished 16th, so we actually lost some shots. We shot 76 in the, the afternoon best ball, uh, which was a net even par, net 70. Um, so we made up a lot of strokes, you know, at least in our uh, playing against ourselves. You know, we, we made up a lot for that second round. Um, we'll wrap this thing up. I, I don't want – we've been rambling for a long time. Um, some quick thoughts. Number one, about the tournament for sure. It was it was an amazing event, incredibly unique. Um I think there could be – it could be better. I'm not – you know, I don't want to go back to sounding elitist like you said earlier or thinking I need to be wine and dine. The tea gifts, you know, when you're playing, it's a $475 event. I mean, I I was kind of going back and forth whether I should just say that out loud because uh, I don't want to expose myself to how much money it costs. But $475 event, you kind of expect a little bit more. I mean, the food was great, um, but I guess you're just paying for the experience, and, and that's kind of what we wrapped our head around and said, you know what – um, you know, to get some of the, to, to haul out, to, to walk 36, to meet Tim and Craig and, uh, some new friends of ours and, and get to do that, you know, maybe it was worth the money. Um, I would have expected just a little bit more. We got a cool loop flag, uh, which I'm, I collected some flags along the way. So I was, I was happy about that. We got a Tom Doak book and a, a divot tool, but, you know, I think it could have been a little bit better when it comes to that, but as far as hospitality and, you know, feeling like it was a big deal, it did, um, all the starters and the, the marshals, you know, they've, they made you feel welcome and they were, they were glad to help you and give you some advice here and there about how the, how the loop played. And so that was, that was all fun. I, I enjoyed the tournament thoroughly. Obviously it's probably not something we'll ever get to do again. So glad we'll always have that for sure. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, you know, the score, I guess is, it's kind of irrelevant. Wish we'd have done a little bit better on the, on the red routing to, to be competitive, but what were your uh, quick thoughts here uh, on the post round? Oh, I mean, just it, like I said, without using so many platitudes, it was amazing. Like, I, without just ranking the courses, like, I, I had so much fun at the loop. Like, I can't <laughs> – I wish I could go play that thing and, and figure out Tom Doak's twisted, sick mind and uh, maybe find a way to get the ball in the hole in, in, in different forms. But, uh, you know, he, he says in his book that, like, essentially, like, that's what – he's trying to do is most golfers think that it should be cookie cutter and he's just not going to let you do that. And, uh, I mean, it, it's mentally, it was a bit of a grind, uh, not just all the, all that, but, uh, it, it was a fun experience. And it, 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 our name will be one of, I think it was like 700 some people that's had the opportunity to do that. And, uh, Corey Krieger and Justin Jeffries will be on a plaque at, uh, Forest Dunes Golf Resort for forever for, for being able to compete in this thing. And I, like I said, by one of my oldest friends, and I'm glad you chose me to go do it with you, which, I mean, on a side note, I'm not sure there's many in our group, no offense to the two-way missers, that would be able to physically walk 36. Um, so, yeah, that was, uh, that was a no-brainer <laughs> for me. Like, so. I, I had very few options. It, I mean, I was going to take you anyway, but I had very few options of people that were uh, – Eric actually got an invite to do it. Uh, while we were there, uh, somebody had to bow out because of COVID. 
he turned it down and he was on property. So I, I really doubt uh, most of the people in the group would have been able to do that. Um, the duel was great. Uh, you should go watch the no laying up, how they expressed the duel. They were able to actually talk to Tom Doak and he's able to give you his opinion. I would highly recommend that. I think you got to have that perspective before you ever go up there and play it. But, you know, just like all these other ones, if you're even remotely in the area, go do it. You got to get lost to find this place, but I think it's worth it to go. And it, it's definitely worth the money. That one's one of the ones where you walk away. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine paying the money to play that because there's, there's no other experience like it. So we'll wrap this up with, with a couple of our favorites here, best and worst, or probably just the best here. Um, favorite hotel. I, I was a big fan of the Spring Hill Marriott suites uh, in East Lansing. We actually stayed there on the way back to, after we left the duel, uh, we went right back to that hotel and stayed there again, probably because there were breakfast options and because of the, uh, what was the, in the shower, the, the lemony, I don't know. It was, it was nice. Um, so that was my favorite hotel. Quick, do, uh, is yours the same or is it different? Might have lost Krieger here, which is unfortunate because we're at the end of the podcast. Um, hey, 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 wow. you there? Oh, I'm back. All right. So the best, the best hotel. Sorry, I, I was cutting in and out there, but basically, uh, I, I thought that you're probably right. But the lake one was really cool, just very scenic. So, yeah. um, I'll let you go first. Favorite hole on the course? Favorite hole on, on the, any the course? Trip. Oh, that's such a tough one. Um, it's probably got to be either. That's hard to say because, like, I may have I shanked it on this hole, but number four on the black routing goes into the green, the same green as the part. And, like, there's these super two huge mounds on the right side that'll funnel your ball down there. And like, it was, it was a really cool, spectacular hole that one, or, I mean, I, any of the par threes that we played, you could, I mean, pick number seven at the mines. I know I, I kind of dug on the mines, but that was one of the cooler holes. Um, I, I don't know. You said one, so it's, it's hard to just pick one hole. <laughs> yeah. No, my favorite hole. Uh, I'm going to just, I'm just going to, cheat and say the again the stretch from four to eight on the mines best five hole stretch golf i've ever played that's not even close i guess if i had to pick a favorite i really like eight i just think it's the big mound up front i thought it was awesome um but some of those drivable par fours uh really really take the case i'm gonna say four through eight if you had to make me gun to my head pick one seven or eight uh, i loved it the mines um my favorite course i think you know is going to be the mines uh, i'm gonna really really quickly because we're running out of time here if you're still listening god bless you um, I'm going to give you my rankings for what I thought the courses were. Uh, I'll kind of rank them backwards. I have Eagle Eye at eight, and I'm only going to include the loop once, although I think the black routing was better than the red routing. Uh, Eagle Eye at eight, I'm going to go um, – boy, this is this is where it kind of got tough for me. Uh, I'm going to go Warren at seven, although it probably deserves much better. I'm going to go um, Forest Dunes at six. It probably deserves much better as well. Uh, Diamond Springs at five, which I really just love that. I love the golf course there. Um, I'm going to go, sheesh, this is, this is where it gets. Pilgrim's run at four. Um, that man, that's, that's not doing Pilgrim's run justice. That's probably, that's probably wrong. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's tough. Uh, and then I'm going to go, uh, what do I got left, man? I had it wrote down and delete it. So I'm just kind of winging it at this point. Uh, I mean, the mine is going to be number one for sure. And then the loop's going to be number two. Um, anyway, so sorry I botched all that. But I'm going to go mine's one, 
the loop two, uh, and then I'll say I guess we'll. I think I need to move Pilgrim's Run up to three. I'm, I've had a change of heart. I played like I played so bad, but anyway, that's my uh, my top rated golf course. Just think the mines is just too fun not to not to rate it at the top. Um, I guess your quick take on it. Just give me your top three. We're, we're low on time. I got you. I went Loop, uh, Pilgrim's Run, uh, and Warren Course as my top three. Awesome. Favorite moment from the entire trip, and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, it's just a series of moments, man. Like it was just fun to trek around, like, like I said at the beginning, with the, and play that much golf. Uh, I mean, watching you hole out was a lot of fun, and just uh, I don't know, uh, you putting into the bunker at <laughs> Little Hawk. Uh, again, that's as hard as I've laughed in a long time. So I that mean, was, uh, for, for context there, and I know we're running out of time. <laughs> I mean, I was trying to make up some serious ground in the quota game. <laughs> if there's just some of those hazards that are not to be trifled with, and I was literally right. aiming just outside of it in the rough. And at the time, I didn't know if if the ball goes in the rough, they got a local rule there that you have to pull it out and take a one shot penalty. I would not have gone that route, but. Right. I chose to. I chose to get aggressive there. It did not work out for Matt, and I almost came back in that quota game. But it was it was a lot of fun. What about your favorite moment? Favorite moment, and you know this is going to sound very cheesy and cliche, and I hope they're listening. But I had such a blast with with Tim and Craig. Uh, I don't think that I appreciated in the moment uh, how lucky we were to get to play with them. Uh, far and away, we uh, as a foursome, we might have been the worst foursome in the in the entire field as far as ability. But nobody, I think, had more fun. Uh, we were giving each other shit the whole time about, you know, different, you know, I told you I was carrying you. And and they were going back and forth about when one of them missed a shorty and stuff. But at the same time, we were all encouraging each other and rooting for each other. And, you know, for tournament golf, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how it can get any better than that experience. So really enjoyed getting to meeting them, hearing their stories. Uh, and it was a great, great way to wrap up one of – and. And I'm not being hyperbolic here. One of the, the coolest trips of my life. And, and I'm very lucky we got to do it. And uh, I, we've talked about it for two hours now. And I seriously don't think that's enough time. So um, at, all that said, uh, final thoughts, Greer, um, just overall. And, and we'll get out of here. Go to Michigan. Two-way Mish. Hashtag two-way Mish. Go up there and play as much golf as you can. Uh, and preferably do it with some of your good friends. Hashtag two-way Mish. Two-way Mish. Two-way Michigan. And then, of course, toymissgolf.com if you want to check out any of the silly merchandise. We don't, we don't have that much up there right now, but we're working on that. We appreciate anybody who's, who's made it this long for listening. Uh, thank you for uh, hearing us rant, and uh, God bless you. We'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Quite often in the, uh, in the lessons that I give on a day-to-day -day basis, the most frustrated type of golfer that comes in to see me is the golfer that tries to hit the ball dead straight, but then can miss in both directions, can miss left and can miss right. And in, in golf, we call that a two-way miss.